Friday night and the mood is right. We gonna have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God. It's Friday, as far as friends go, family matters most, like Carl's Winslow, look in my window, but don't you clamor, I got a full house, like DJ Tanner, step by step, I'm a perfect stranger, so sit back, relax, there's no fear of danger, did I do that, have mercy, don't be ridiculous, it's only 8.30, got it dude, now cut it out, TGIF is what it's all about, we gon' have some fun, let me show you how it's done. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're gonna have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. Thank God it's Friday. How's my weekend gonna be? Well, super. Watching reruns of Mr. Belvedere and hanging with Mr. Cooper. It's a retro flashback on a fast track to a laugh track. Audience will clap back after every scene. The 80s and the 90s were lit when I was a teen. This weekend, I'll be deep in the deep end. Watching a Laura and Stefan sequence. Stephanie Tanner in a silver sequence. Belky doing the dance of joy. Hello, world. It's time to meet your boy. Sister, sister, read all about it. Tragedy Elliot Ness on a podcast. Don't doubt it. And you know what time it is. So sit back, relax, get your popcorn. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're going to have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're going to have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. It's Friday. TGIF, it's Friday. Hey. Tragedy Elliot Ness. All right, welcome to week number 161 of the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast. My name is Steven, and that over there is Travis. How's the new casa, Steve? It's going. We're almost there. I mean, by the time this episode airs, we should be moved in, sleeping there, good to go, recording this, uh, hopefully from the new house next week. We'll see how it sounds, but uh, I'm excited. Awesome, man. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, What about you? Anything new? Nope. Same old stuff. Same old, same old. Well, everyone listening, uh, welcome to the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast where we go back, we watch all the shows that aired on TGIF 30 years ago to the week. And uh, this week, we've got a full lineup, four brand new episodes of all of your favorite 1992 TGIF shows. Yeah, yeah. These episodes would have aired back uh, October 16th, 1992. So uh, before we get into the episodes, let's thank uh, Tragedy Elliot Ness for the theme song. We played that one once before. Yeah, we've heard it before. It's a good one. Thank you. And uh, also, uh, make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIFCast. Uh, if you need to email us for anything, uh, like we forget to put the episode up, that's the way to do it. Uh, TGIFCast <laughs> at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, send it whatever you want over there. We like yeah. it. Yeah. Whatever. I don't think I forgot we'll to put it up. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's not. I don't. I think based on what you said, it's not like there was some just technical stuff that wasn't worked out. Yeah, it happens. But we like to know about that because uh, I don't listen yeah. to the show, so I don't know if it airs or not. I do, but I often get behind in my podcast, so I just didn't realize it yet. So, like Travis said, these episodes would have aired back on October sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two, and we do like to see what was going on in the world that week. So, on October eleventh, nineteen ninety-two was the uh, first ever three-way presidential debate between Bush, Clinton, and Perot. 
Good times. It's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, I, I, that seems an interesting. I feel like there would have been a three-way debate earlier in the you know guess, life of our country. I but guess not. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then on October 11th, 1992, uh, Deion Sanders played both Major League Baseball and NFL for the Falcons and for the, uh, I guess, the Braves, right, on the same day. That's cool. Yeah. So I guess that's probably the only time that's ever happened, where one player played I mean, on both teams the exact same day. Did Bo Jackson ever do that? Or, or Michael Jordan, maybe? Well, Jordan didn't play basketball and baseball at the same time, right? He... Did he, like, um, partly I, retire and then go and then come back? Yeah, and I don't know. Did he actually ever play a Major League Baseball game? Hmm, good question. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think this is the only time it's ever happened. But uh, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool thing to have happened, to have done, you know? What about... Because yeah, baseball was probably in the playoffs in October, so he, like, wouldn't Especially played. back then. Yeah, because the playoffs started, I feel like, started earlier um, back then. So he was doing playoffs, Braves baseball, and then... Well, I, I don't know what order it happened in. Probably... Probably football I imagine first. baseball during. You think I was going to say baseball first, like a day game, and then so uh, I was going uh, like a one o'clock game for the yeah. Falcons East Coast. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what about uh, movies, music? We got any changes this week? Yes. Yeah. 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 New movie. You you kind of hinted at it last week, uh, but the Steven Seagal classic Under Siege. Uh, Steven Seagal, Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey uh, debuted at number one this week. Did you rewatch so. it? Oh yeah, how was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I'm so I'll tell you right now. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Steven Seagal. Uh-huh. I think he's kind of corny. Um, it's a fun movie. It's a good movie. It's a fun movie. Um, and and there's a lot of movies in this era of the terrorists taking over the the thing type movies. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. What about uh, Still Boys to Men? Still Boys to Men. End of the road. It's we're we're slowly creeping towards the actual end of the road. But oh, um, okay. But yeah, it's. It's getting there. So I'll only keep asking you that for a few more weeks. That's fine. That's fine. You'll trust me. I'll let you know when it's when it's over. Oh, I so. know. <laughs> Any birthdays? We do. We have one birthday. Melanie Wilson, Jennifer from from Perfect Strangers. Happy yeah. birthday, Melanie. It would have been today. If you're listening to, the, to this on the day it comes out, it is today, Friday, October 14th. Happy birthday, Melanie. All right, so uh, like we said, we've got four new episodes. We're starting off right at 8 o'clock. This is Family Matters, Season 4, Episode 4, Rumor Has It is the name of the episode. And uh, the scene starts off, we are at, uh, at school, and mm-hmm. uh, Urkel's at his locker. He's uh, opening it up. He looks at his picture of Laura. Uh, Waldo comes over, and uh, he tells Steve that he wants the school mascot to be a bulldog, and he's going to run a petition <laughs> for it. And he's like, why Why do you want to do that? We already have a, a muskrat for our uh, school mascot. And we find out that Waldo forgot to uh, feed the muskrat and kill the school mascot. Waldo is some good... good the, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, of the comedic, I don't know, friends, neighbors, and most of these shows right uh-huh, now between yeah. Waldo, Cody, Dorfman. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about uh, the dinosaurs' neighbors? Roy and Monica. Yeah, I don't think that, they're not as funny. Not as funny. They're not. They're not meant to be the same kind of character. So uh, Urkel sprays himself with some cologne. Goes over to talk to Laura, who comments. Didn't she say something like what it smells like or something? I forget. Uh she does make a comment. I don't, I don't remember, remember what, she, what says. she says. It smells like. But uh, he asks her if she wants to rent some movies and go uh, Netflix and chill. Netflix and or, chill. Uh, at least Blockbuster and chill, I guess. And uh, we find out she cannot. Uh, she's going out with Ted again, 
And uh, Steve's like, well, what do you see in that guy? And she's like, lists off all these things. Like, well, he's good looking. He's a athlete. Pretty much all the things that you're not. He's smart. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of like the end of that opening scene. It is. Yeah. That's the opening uh, for the show. So after the theme song, we come back to uh, Harriet and Carl. They're in the kitchen. Um, Estelle, Laura, and Rachel come down. They're going to the mall because uh, Laura needs an outfit for her date with Ted. And uh, the best people to help her out are Estelle (laughs) and Rachel, obviously. And Harriet and Carl are like, no, 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 no. Rachel, just don't dress her like you. Yeah, so... They don't listen. They go out. They're going to the mall. Um, Then, like, Harriet says, hey, have you noticed anything weird happening with Eddie? I feel like something's up. Like, he, he, something's going on. And he's like, oh, don't worry. (laughs) I'll figure this out. So he calls Eddie. Well, the reason that she, I I think it's funny, the reason she thinks that something is going on, because uh, Carl asks, "Why why do you think that? And Harriet says, well, he's just been being really good and really polite and nice and, and doing all the right things lately. Yeah. So he's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. We're going to play good cop, bad cop. We will figure this out. So they call Eddie down and they start like questioning him like Carl's the bad cop and uh, they get him to confess. We find out that uh, he played hooky and then they send him right to his room. Yeah, but he played. It was a good reason. I mean, he had access to go see the Bears practice at Soldier Field and and so he did. I mean, Something with the cheerleaders, Carl. too, right? Like, Well, the cheerleaders were there. Carl, Carl almost sounds a little bit jealous and understands completely why he skipped school. So after that, we go back to uh, Urkel, Waldo, Laura, back at their school. Uh, Urkel runs into Waldo in the hall. Uh, Waldo's uh, hanging up no poster posters. So he's hanging up posters to tell people to stop hanging up posters. Right. Waldo's like, there's so much clutter on the, with all these posters. So I'm trying to do something about it by hanging up, like you said, giant posters. Right on top of it. another poster. No posters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at this time, too, Urkel kind of overhears Ted coming down the hall and goes over and starts to listen as he and a couple of his friends are talking about uh, Ted's recent date with Laura. Yeah. And here we are introduced to one of his friends who, in this episode, is named Alex. Later, we know him. Same character. Later, he goes by the nickname Weasel and is in a number of episodes. I remember Weasel. Yeah, um, this is Weasel. So... St- Ted, like, kind of tells his friends that he scored with Laura. Like, he doesn't, like, straight up tell them, but he doesn't tell them that he didn't. There's, so, there's a little bit of what happens here that kind of puts him in a bad spot, but also, I'm disappointed in Ted. So, what, what they're, they're basically saying, you must not be getting anywhere with her because you're not talking about anything. You're just saying, it's kind of boring. And, and, he, and he's like, no, no, no. And, and they're like, Oh, so you did score. And right when he says he's about to say, no, that's not what, you know, he's kind of on the path to correcting him. And then Urkel jumps in and says, you got to make sure you tell the truth. And he's at this point, he Ted's like, screw it. I'm just going to go with I'm just going to go with what these guys said. Yeah. And don't don't forget to mention too. Steve hits Ted in the face, like on the top of the head with like 20 of these posters that Waldo was what? hanging up. Just like, dunk, the, what, dunk, No, those weren't dunk. even Waldo's posters. Those were posters, some random posters that Urkel had that we don't even know what they're for. No, but, I thought they were the no poster posters that Waldo did handed. Did he take them? Yeah, Waldo oh, handed them see, to okay, like Steve and asked him to hang okay, up or okay. something like that. So he's got like a whole him. bag of these posters yeah. and, he, and they're like rolled up and he's just dunk, drops them on the ground. Dunk, drops one on the ground. Yeah. But, uh, it's and pretty, I got to say, 
yeah, it's funny. I'm really disappointed with Ted here because I had a lot of high hopes for Ted. Ted seemed like a nice guy. You've seen him in one more episode than I have. So you maybe you, you might have a different opinion based on that episode. But the one episode I did see him in, nice guy, smart, good grades, athlete. He's a total package. And now he is doing Might have this. ruined it, right? Well, might have is, is a nice way to put it. Um, so they end up shoving Urkel into the locker. And then we see three hours later, uh, Urkel's still in there. Laura comes over to her locker. Here's Urkel in his locker. Um, eventually helps get him out by using her, uh, her measurements as the code that Steve has set for the, uh, for his locker, which yeah, she, com- like, wait, those are my measurements. Yeah. Steve's combination is 34, 24, 34. Uh, and then he tells, uh, Ted that, or he tells Laura that Ted put him in the locker and, uh, tells her what happened and why he was in there, what Ted had said to his friends. And, yeah. uh, she doesn't believe him. Um, she's like, you know what, Steve, if you're going to go this low to try to get me to get away from Ted and come with you, I don't even know if we can be friends anymore. Right. She accuses him of being jealous. And, and this is just one of his tactics to try to get her to not date somebody besides him. Yeah. So back at the home. Um, I don't know if this is a couple days later or what, but uh, the phone rings. Yeah. Uh, we find out it's uh, Jason Sanders calling for Laura. Um, he asks her to go see a movie and then uh, maybe have some fun afterwards. And Laura tells Maxine, well, she, I think he she hangs up on him, calls well, him Well, she asks him, first she says, well, what, what do you, do you mean, mean by have, fun? By fun. We, we don't hear what he says, but you can see on her face that is something that she is not interested in and she hangs up the phone. Yeah, because after she hangs up and then calls back, talks to his mom accidentally, she tells Maxine that he said something, uh, something filthy is what she says. Right. And Maxine tells her. I I do want to say when she calls him back, she does something that we will never, ever see in a modern television show, which is actively uses the yellow, the the, the phone book. (laughs) She like flips through, finds his name, does the whole like we will never. This is something that generations beyond us will never know. No, it's funny when I moved into my new house, yellow pages and white pages sitting on the counter. New ones. God. Um. So also here, uh, what Maxine? Where was he? We find out that Maxine. Oh that yeah, Maxine has heard this rumor as well that it's not just a isolated incident. It's it's actually going around the school. Yeah, she heard from the entire basketball team that. Uh, I mean, do we know exactly what the rumor is at this point, right? Or does she the, just tell her there's a rumor going around about her? I I think I think they're aware. Of it's it. implied, it is, kind yeah, of, that uh, right. that Laura might have done something with Ted, and the rumor is that maybe Laura is a little easy, and uh, that's why all these guys are calling her now. Exactly. So then we have a scene, and, and Laura does. We do get a confirmation here. Max, Maxine's upset first because she heard it, the rumor, and that Laura just didn't tell her directly, and Laura has to clarify to Maxine. Oh that, yeah, that nothing, nothing happened because Laura uh, Maxine's not even sure that it's not. Well, Maxine is, this is typical. Maxine just isn't, you know, always the brightest. So then we have a scene of uh, Laura on the porch just crying. Um, Rachel and Harriet get home from, I guess, a late night walk or something because it's night out, right? Yeah, hanging out, doing whatever. Yeah. And uh, she tells her mom uh, what happened. And um, yeah, she's like, well, I mean, did it happen? She's like, no, mom, I'm not ready for that. And she's like, well, I mean, I thought about it, but. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just not ready for it. We also find out, I don't know if we knew here, but at some point we find out Laura's 15 years old. I don't know if we knew that or not. I think we had a general idea of that. Um, but uh, Harriet's like, you know what? This is the thing about rumors. Um, 
eventually they go away. We'll fight back though. And I immediately turned to my wife who was, who was in the, you know, kind of watching over my shoulder while I was watching this and said, they just need to talk to Eddie. They just need to get Eddie involved immediately. Yep. So, uh, Laura and her mom hug, we go to school. What do you know? Eddie and Urkel are there. And, uh, Eddie just throws Ted against the locker. <laughs> like, him up and toss him. Yeah. Like he's nothing at all. Um, and then it's funny because Eddie and Urkel end up playing like good cop, bad cop, just like uh, right. like the uh, Winslows did with Eddie earlier yeah. in the episode. And uh, Ted does confess. He tells him what happened. Uh, tells him that nothing happened on the date. And, and, and more, most importantly, in front of not just his friends, but a number of other students in the school. Yeah. And after this, um, Laura walks in as this is all going on. And she says, uh, don't, don't kill him, Eddie, or something like that. And uh, she's like, uh, Ted, you know, I really liked you, but I don't know how you could hurt me like this. And Ted's like, well, let's start over. Let's start. Clean slate. I want to make this right for you. And Laura's like, I'm, I'm going to have to think about that, Ted. So she hasn't given up completely on him, it looks like. She's still maybe going to give him a chance. But Ted tells her that uh, he really cares about her. He's going to make it up to her. And then he walks away. And then, of course, uh, Laura hugs Eddie. Steve reaches out for his hug, but uh, he gets a nice little pat on the shoulder on the back. And she tells him uh, she appreciates, though, how good of a friend that he is. Yep. The typical apologizing to Steve. And then Steve asks her to marry him, and she says no. (laughs) She's only 15. End of the episode. End of the episode. Yep. So that's your uh, 8 o'clock Family Matters going on to 8.30, Step by Step, Season 2, Episode 5. It's a Dog's Life is the name of the episode. And we start off with uh, Cody and JT carrying like this heavy desk from the inside of the house to the outside. Dana tells them, you know, it would be a whole lot easier if you guys just took the drawers out. And then they take the drawers out, set them on the desk, and then just (laughs) carry the desk with the drawers on top of the desk. But somehow Cody and JT are like, oh, man, you're right. This really was a whole lot easier, which makes no sense at all. It was a funny scene. I thought this was funny. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, so then after the theme, we come back to uh, Frank finishing up this uh, model airplane, or he's almost done with this model airplane that he's been working on. Carol's watching him. Uh, Al and Brendan get home and tell Frank, hey, the uh, neighbor has this dog. They're going out of town, and they asked us to dog sit. And Frank's like, yeah, sure. But Carol's like, Ugh, I really don't want a dog. I hate everything about dogs, especially because they poop in the house. And uh, yeah. she's not about it. But Frank kind of like makes carol feel bad does the little like pouty face and like gets in her face like oh come on carol you can do well, it well yeah he does the whole like dogs are great they're smart they're they're great companions and talks her into it eventually she agrees so right. the next scene we've got uh the family in the living room with another uh call back to uh frank's <laughs> previous acting job where he was on the show dallas they're doing a crossword puzzle and they're like Texas City, six letters, and of course, he has no idea what it is. Right, he can. Carol has to help him realize that it is, in fact, Dallas. Yep, and then Al, Brendan, and Cody get home with Mr. Fritz. Mr. Fritz is the uh, giant St. Bernard that they're watching. Uh, they had, Carol, no one had any idea that this thing was so big, except, <laughs> except for probably uh, Brendan and Al. And uh, Carol... Do you know somebody who did know that this was going to be a big dog? Uh, the neighbors? No, Mark. Not really, but uh, so this dog that is that is Mr. Fritz is the, the dog's name is is Chris, and Chris was also Beethoven in the movie Beethoven, uh. which starred Chris Castillo. Chris what Castillo. came out first, this episode or Beethoven? 
Beethoven. Beethoven's first. That's funny. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, he's giant. Carol doesn't want him in the house, but Frank makes her feel bad once again, and Carol agrees it's okay for one week. Yes, one week. So a little later, we're in the backyard. Um, Carol's gardening. Frank is uh, finishing up his model airplane still. Al comes out with uh, Mr. Fritz's dog food bowl, which is giant, and giant. they pretty much dump an entire bag of dog food into this bowl. What she says, five pounds. It's five pounds of dog food. Which he finishes in five seconds like they don't show it it's off screen but the entire bowl is now empty um after cody gets back with mr fritz and then uh the mar no mr fritz there's this like little scene where where carol carol's gardening while while frank is working on this plane outside she's like frank hand me that tool i need or whatever or the bulbs she wants the the bulbs that she's planting and and mr fritz grabs the the Convenient place the wagon. rope on the road yeah. on the handle and pulls it over to Carol to give her, you know, the gardening supplies. Yeah, and Carol, you can tell, is actually starting to like Mr. Fritz oh, this yeah. time. Things are turning around for Carol. So next scene, uh, we see Frank get home. Well, uh, there's also one more thing here that happens is that that it was, Oh yeah, yeah. So Frank goes over to kind of like talk to Carol and say, Look, see, he's great. Dogs are great. This is awesome. Dogs are smart. As he's doing that. Mr. Fritz goes over to the table and starts chewing on some of the, the authentic World War II decals that Frank is putting on his plate. I don't right. know what an authentic decal is, but whatever. Yeah, and then uh, Frank and Carol kiss for some reason, because why not? And then also the dog like barks at them. like He does not like the two of them kissing. So anytime yeah, they start to get like affectionate, they, he yeah. just starts barking at them. Exactly. Um, now we have Frank getting home. Um, Carol made some beef stew, which Frank says sound smells great and he's excited for dinner but uh we find out she made that for mr fritz frank's having fish sticks tonight and uh this is where we really know now that carol has completely flipped now she is team fritz all the way and uh, she cares more about that dog than she does her own husband at this point yeah and frank is quickly getting sick of this dog at the same time um she like then starts to set up this like food spot like multiple like uh what are they called? What are those things on tables called? Like placemats. Tablecloth. Like, puts a few yeah. placemats down, sets the bowl really nicely on the ground for Mr. Fritz. And then uh, we hear uh, Frank yell from the living room because uh, Mr. Fritz, at some point today, ate the model plane that he's been working on. Well, doesn't he... Does- does Mr. Fritz not bring it in in his mouth, or does Frank just carry it in? No, Frank carries it in, because Frank okay, went into the okay. living room after yeah, um, yeah, yeah. this part. I guess Mr. Fritz is getting ready to eat dinner, and then Frank comes back in with this plane. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Um, Frank's like, that's it. We're sending it to the kennel. Um, let's uh, let's make this happen. And Carol's like, no, let's not do that. But at this it's time, too, yeah, uh, the Coleman's, who are the owners of Mr. Fritz, call. And we find out... They're not coming back. They're going to just move to Florida, and they're not even going to come back for Mr. Fritz. They're just going to leave him there. So they've got a new dog now. He's yours now. Enjoy. Carol's like, okay, that's great. Let's go with it. But everyone else in the house, we find out, is done with Mr. Fritz. Everyone. Like, even Al and Brendan at this point are tired with having this well, giant dog that they can't even take care of. Right. Because in the next scene, we're in the den, and we've got Karen and Dana. They come down. Fritz has ruined their clothes, chewed on them, drooled on it. Fritz, or, uh, Al and Brendan come in and they're sick of him because he's chewed up all their water guns. And Carol's like, well, it's okay. They're violent toys anyways. You didn't need them. And everyone 
Mark, and then Mark runs in the front door and Fritz is just chasing behind Mark. Mark is the, the poor kid who is just being bullied by this dog, but that's probably because they're buddies already. They knew each other. Uh, then we have a scene out back in the backyard again. Carol is now trying to train Mr. Fritz. So the rest of the family will like him. Um, she calls for Mark who comes out in like a football helmet and a trash can for a shield. And then, uh, Mark starts to uh, read this book that Carol hands him for like dog training. And then the dog pretty much jumps on top of Mark, pinning him on a lawn chair, whatever's out there. And Carol has to rip Mr. Fritz off of uh, off of Mark. And Mr. Fritz, like you said, is about the same size as Carol. So it's a it's a struggle. Um, at this point, too, Carol shows that she also has another way to try to train. She's got a dog whistle, which she explains that uh, humans can't hear it. Only dogs can hear it. She blows it, and instead of uh, Mr. Fritz coming to her, he just runs off at the sound of the whistle. And then uh, Cody pops his head out of the van, and uh, he actually heard the dog whistle, too. So for some <laughs> reason, like, he can hear it. I'm trying to sleep here. Stop whistling. Yeah. Um. Next scene, we've got Carol in bed. Frank's comes into the room uh, singing, trying to uh, maybe get lucky with Carol, but instead he goes to peel off the covers and uh, Mr. Fritz is inside because Carol said it was cold and uh, she let Mr. Fritz under the covers with her. Yeah, because well, Mr. Fritz was supposed to be outside, but it was too cold outside. Yeah, so back. now Frank's mad. He's like, that's it. I'm sleeping on the couch. He grabs blankets, pillow, goes to the couch and... Uh, Carol tells Mr. Fritz, you know what, Mr. Fritz, I can't let you come between uh, me and my family. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go. Well, there's a whole conversation here where she's trying to explain to Mr. Fritz that she thinks that Frank is just overreacting. And at that point, she realizes that she is just talking to a dog and maybe she is the one that has has gone too far. Yeah. So then uh, Frank comes back in. Um, Carol apologizes to Frank and she tells him that uh, they'll take him to the uh, pet orphans, I think is what she calls it. And yeah, uh, some adoption agency. The two of them kiss. Uh, Mr. Fritz, of course, barks at them again. And then Carol covers up Mr. Fritz with the blanket so they can continue their ways. Exactly. So I think one more scene. We're in the living room. Um, Frank's got a new model plane that he's working on. Carol talks about how she misses Mr. Fritz. Doorbell rings. Uh, we've got some new neighbors down the street or next door called the Higgins. Uh, they moved in right next door and then they actually just got a new dog too. And, uh, what do you know? In runs Mr. Fritz. And then someone, <laughs> someone says he's back. I don't know who it was, but uh, I think it's Dana. Yeah. I think it was Dana. So that's the end, but we do get another bonus credit scene with, uh, Al and Brendan in the backyard, uh, with Mr. Fritz. I guess this was probably like a cut scene or something like that. Yeah. But they're, I imagine they're teaching Mr. Fritz how to fetch, like throwing him sticks and Frisbees. And he's just standing there not doing anything. And then uh, Brendan comments about how he doesn't chase anything. And then out comes Mark. And, of course, Mr. Fritz chases him off the screen. Poor Mark. And that's it. That's step by step. Uh, Nine o'clock. We've got Dinosaurs. This is season three, episode three. Uh, Network Genius is the name of this episode. And uh, I feel like there's a whole lot going on in this one, especially in the beginning. I was expecting more. You, you Rarely, almost never, virtually never, do we discuss anything about these episodes before What did I tell you? Record. I'm like, you make some said, notes hey, about look, all these shows. There's a lot shows. of TV shows. Can you make some notes about them as you're watching it? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, and then I started watching it. I was like, this isn't too bad. It wasn't. It, it there's, there's definitely a lot of little things i wrote a lot of notes overwhelming and i didn't write anything about the actual tv shows like i wrote the name of them and that's it 
Well, that, that's because there's not a whole lot to write about the All TV right. show. So it starts off after the theme. We're at the uh, ABC offices. ABC stands for what back then? It's not... Antediluvian Broadcast Company. Okay. So we've got... We're introduced to a couple characters. Uh, Stu Boombird, who's an exec at the station. Who's Jason compl- Alexander. Oh, cool. Uh, who's complaining about all the TV shows that they have on at their station. And then we learn, then we meet uh, Ted Hardshell. Who, is he anybody? Or? He, he's an, yeah, he's a recognizable actor. He, he played, he was in Deep, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, I think. He, somebody you would recognize, but nothing. Eight or nine. What? Deep Space Nine. Eight or nine, one of those. What? I don't understand what you're saying. This, a, this was my attempt at a joke that I have no idea what Star Trek is, and uh, there's not a Deep Space Eight, obviously. No, no, Deep Space Didn't work, Nine did it? No. is the name of the show. Okay, no, it did not work. But he's also in a bunch of you would recognize him, but nothing, nothing that like jumped out to me to say, hey, this guy was in this. Uh, the other notable person that is in this show is the there's a little bit of narration throughout it, and that is done by Harry Shearer from from The Simpsons, who plays. Like, every character on the Simpsons that isn't an actual Simpson. All right. So this Ted Hardshell guy starts talking to Earl. We find out Earl is taking like one of those surveys that we all took like in the nineties or two thousands where uh, you watch a bunch of shows, you tell the people what you think about them and then they make decisions based on what people, normal people think about these shows. Except he's hooked up to this crazy machine and, and we weren't. Yeah. So the first show that he goes through and watches a bunch of shows to start off. The first one's called uh, House Full of Dads, which looks like it's like a ripoff of a bunch of shows, right? Like Full House it's or a Full House My Two Dads type. or right. any of those type of shows. Um, but on this one, it's like a kid reading on the bed, and there's like 50 dinosaur dads in the room with them. <laughs> it's just a room filled with dinosaur dads. Uh, then we've got Info not Info 411, which is supposed to be what, like. Nine one what, what rescue nine one one and info four one one is that what it is okay yeah it's just a guy calling in and asking for a phone number for somebody that he needs to call yeah great show um, and then we got triceratops which we've seen before right we did see triceratops in one of the and I believe the last show or one of the last shows uh, but this is triceratops triceratops act for Jack B Nimble Jack B Homicide and it is it's pretty funny because it's these cops chasing a a, a you know a suspect. And they corner of an alley and they say, put your hands above your head. And he says, I can't. I'm a T-Rex. And, and they kill him, right? I don't know. I don't know if we actually see the kill. I think they kill him and he dies like in the alley. Like they just start shooting him. Maybe. It's, it's very possible. Uh, and then we've got uh, Dino 210, which is like uh, Beverly Pangea Hills Dino 210. Yeah. Pangea Hills Dino 210. Oh, okay. Um, anything about that? I mean, it's just well, like. Well, there's Beth and she's telling Damien they're, they're at school. She has laid an egg. She's obviously pregnant with his child, but pregnancy, you know, in the dinosaur world is her just laying an egg. And and I think the, the important part too about all of this is that, that Earl has no reaction to any of these shows. He, he's like, I don't, I don't get it. No, nothing. None of this is interesting whatsoever. The, the meter on his little machine that he's hooked up to is just flat the entire time. Yeah. And I think what they ask him, what he thinks? And he's like, I don't like him pretty much. No, he's not that he doesn't like him. He's just, uh, I don't get it. Doesn't make sense. This, I don't get it. And somehow that, though, is enough for them to make Earl the programming chief for ABC. No, no, no. no. You're missing it all. You're missing all kinds of stuff here. Okay. So they go through these four shows, these four produced shows, and, and there's no reaction. They're trying to kind of see if he will have a reaction to anything whatsoever. They offer him a cookie, and it goes, the machine goes wild. So they know that it works. 
And while they're doing this, they're kind of like talking and wrapping things up. There's a test pattern that is on the TV and Earl is not paying attention to what they're saying at all and paying attention to the test pattern and makes a comment about how great it is. And they realize that he's like, I just like this test pattern. There's, there's, you know, there's colors. It's great. And they're like, it's a test pattern. There's nothing. You're not supposed to have a reaction to the test pattern. And so they're like, this is pointless. None of this was worth anything. This guy is an idiot. Get rid of him. We'll, we'll just push, put on the shows that we want it to. And then there's all these headlines of the newspapers and it, uh, that they flash to. And it's, you know, new programming block fails. Test pattern is the clear winner. Everybody loves the test pattern. Test pattern, test pattern, test pattern. And that's when these, these guys say, oh, well, Earl is the genius. And they, then they make him the vice president of programming for the antediluvian broadcast company. So then we have uh, Earl, like he's now, like we said, the programming chief and he's yep. making all the decisions like about what shows to air and what to put on TV. Right. Well, what they first do is they say, okay, you were right. We, we, the test pattern's the way to go. And they have a whole schedule of shows based on test patterns. So they have like Gilligan's test pattern and my, so, you know, all these different test pattern theme shows. And Earl says, no, test patterns. That's I'm bored with that. We're bored. No one wants to see that anymore. And so they start pitching him new shows. Um, did you get, yeah. Did you pick any of those up? Yeah, I did. Um, so the first one is Kirk Marcus, MD. Is that right? Nope. First one is a question of faith, which is about a girl who runs away to, jo- I don't know if she runs away, but she goes and she joins a convent and Earl says, well, she should be able to fly. Obviously this is you know, the flying nun, the the show from the the seventies. So they say, okay, we'll do that. And then they go to the medical drama, Dr. Kirk Marcus, MD. And this is kind of like what Doogie Howser, you think? It's supposed to be Doogie Howser-ish. There's a there's a doctor. So the way that they pitch it is there's a there's a you know a doctor who's doing doctor stuff, and then they introduce this baby character who is pretty much a, a ripoff of baby Sinclair and says, not the PJs, not the pajamas. Not the pajamas. Sorry, not the mama. Not the pajamas. Right. And this and Earl's like, this this could work. But then he says, but why don't we make the baby the doctor? Of course, like you said, is a, a reference to Doogie Hauser. Yeah, Earl loves it. The execs are like, we got to get that baby. Let's take him from his parents and put him on every show. <laughs> okay, so we're going to cancel the news. We're going to just put it on top of the news and we're just going to show this all the time. Yeah, and uh, then all the like headlines come back again. Baby Cuddle Bunny, number one, ratings up, IQ down. And- right. We find out this is kind of like setting up, uh, I mean, you put dumb shows on TV, people get dumb. You put smart shows on TV, maybe that'll help. That's kind of what it's setting up. So Earl gets home, tells the family it's TV time. Uh, First show they watch is Box Full of Puppies, which we know is something that uh, Earl helped get on TV. And it's literally just like someone carrying in a box. They open it and there's puppies. I kept waiting for him to eat the puppies, but... They were like legit like puppy, like golden retriever puppies that like these dinosaurs are holding on to, which is pretty funny. I feel like they had to get them like super small because if not, like these puppies probably would have been scared of these dinosaurs picking them up. They probably brought this said, hey, if you're bringing Beethoven, grab like six puppies and bring them with you as well. Yeah. Go on that Airbud set and grab all those too. Yeah, exactly. Um, So friends, like kids, it's homework time. You need to stop watching TV. You can't just do that all the time. And then... uh, I think they show Earl like lighting a cigar because he's excited or he's proud of himself that he's getting all of these uh, TV shows on like box full of puppies. Yeah, he, he starts to pick up that habit of smoking cigars. A um, little later, still watching TV. Dr. Cuddle Bunny's on. And then uh, 
they also see the happy color show in color and it's just what like a test pattern of colors and uh, stuff? more or less it's, it's like a nine box you know um uh, the word i'm looking for here like tic-tac-toe of different colors that's it that's all uh it is. friend gets home we did the other thing we note here is that is that baby does have a baby cuddle bunny t-shirt on oh yeah that's right uh friend gets home and says uh all the parents at school are saying their kids are doing bad in school now and uh, she thinks that if they're watching TV, that they need to watch the news. At least watch something smart if they're going to watch TV. Right. And so they turn to the news and it's Howard Hand Up Me, DNN uh, show. So and he's saying there's basically a chart that just shows the intelligence of dinosaurs is plummeting. And as he's saying this, the camera just starts to kind of tilt and fall to the ground. And there's a sign that comes on that says, please stand by. But please is spelled with a Z and by is spelled B-I-E. Yeah. And it's basically everything's in chaos. Yeah, people are getting dumb. And Fran thinks it's the end of civilization as we know it. And Fran is blaming Earl for all of this because he's the one that's getting all these real dumb shows on TV. Yeah, and at that point, Charlene calls and because and, she can't even remember how to get home. Yeah, where they Charlene live. doesn't know how to get home. Uh, Robbie shows Earl his report card where he got FFFM. And the M is because the teacher forgot uh, the alphabet by the time they wrote grades down. And uh, Fran tells Earl that he's got to put smarter shows on TV, but Earl thinks uh, she's overreacting until there's a news article or a a news uh, update on the TV about all the power going out because the uh, power people are too dumb to fix it or something like that. And then their power at the home goes out. So they're out of power and Earl's like, all right, maybe I need to do something. Yeah, it's time to step up. So uh, next scene, we've got Roy and Earl in Earl's office. Um, he says that uh, they can fix society if they put smart shows on TV, and then do they show? They start showing some of these like smarter shows, right? Right, right. So they start with this show called Full Spectrum with John McGlutton, and the question it's a it's a kind of a news hour de- you know, conversation debate show, and they're talking about should the rich eat the poor, and and the argument that starts is absolutely the the poor have had it too good for too long the rich should eat the poor they're a great source of protein and the anti-argument is that no the rich should not eat the poor because they're an awful source of protein and have no nutritional value um and then we go uh to a scene where earl is going back to the house um he says that he put on some smart shows on and friend says well it's just in time because the kids are even getting dumber at this point and he's 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 scared that he's gonna lose his job he thinks that this was a yeah, you know, he he thinks that he maybe did the right thing, but that at the cost of losing his job. Yeah, so they turn on the TV. Um, there's a few shows here. Triceratops is back, but now all the characters are uh, like acting and talking much smarter, and they've got like bigger vocabulary and talking about more complex subjects. Well, they do this whole bit where where they kind of stop the guy in the alley, and this time instead of trying to arrest him, they explain like the socioeconomic issues that have gotten him to the life of crime that he is in to begin with. So they start kind of educating on that. One thing too that happens before this is just to demonstrate how dumb the dinosaurs are getting. We we get a a little kind of thing with Fran, where she thinks that that, or no, excuse me, where with Charlene, where she thinks that Fran is the daddy. And then Robbie keeps passing out because he's so dumb he's forgetting to breathe. So um, I think there's probably like a commercial break here, and then we see a couple more shows. Um, we see the Professor show, which I didn't really write any notes on, but it's like not calculus and, and physics. Yeah, and they're stuff. literally. I think there was like a chalkboard, and they're just like talking about like uh, equations and stuff like that, right? 
Yeah, he yeah, and and while while Earl was watching this, he somehow comes up with the plot. Uh, he's like, "Oh, the professor. Maybe we should do a show where the professor is on an island with a millionaire." And uh, basically, comes up with the plot of Gilligan's Island. Oh, also this week back in '92, they aired um, the original pilot for Gilligan's Island aired on TV. I didn't talk about it in my news in the, in the beginning, but might as well throw it in there since it makes sense. That doesn't make sense. The original, Why? You, you just talked about Gilligan's Island. No, no, but Gilligan's Island did not come out in 1992. No, the, uh, they had never aired the original pilot for Gilligan's Island, but they put oh, really? it on TV oh, in 1992. Oh, oh. Oh, that's week. fun. Yeah. I never, okay, cool. That's cool. Um, and then there's the economics hoedown and baby cheers for that when that comes on. Yeah, it's basically hee-haw with where they teach economics. Um, and then they go a little later and everyone's getting smart again. It's working. Uh, all these smart TV shows are making everyone not dumb. Yeah, Charlene and Robbie come in. They're arguing about philosophy, and Fran threatens to says, "If you don't if you don't calm down and stop arguing, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you home from school as opposed to letting them go to school because letting them go to school is now a, a reward for doing the right thing." And then, yeah, the office, the the ABC network calls, and everyone loves these new shows. Yeah, I mean, Earl thinks he's getting fired when they call, but uh, they show um, some more headlines. And uh, it's a the first one's like IQ TV a okay highest ratings ever so everything right. is working. And then uh, we've got Roy and uh, he's like show or looking at like this award that Earl got and they're talking about how smart TV uh, really can get big ratings and Earl thinks uh, he's a fake now though he's like these aren't the shows that I want this is not my idea like I shouldn't be getting these awards. Yeah, and this award, evidently this award he gets, this rep, Reptilius Prize, is a, is a, seems like a big deal. Yeah. Um, so then the execs come in, and they're angry now because he said, now they're saying that no one's watching TV anymore. They're all doing uh, things like going outside and finding uh, other things to do rather than watching <laughs> right. TV. And uh, Earl calls Fran, and uh, now we've got, uh, he, I think he says, like, the new shows are um, stimulating everyone. Or maybe she says that. No one wants to uh, be there for TV anymore. Public's too right. smart. And they need to make them dumb again. Right, right, right. Yeah. He says, are, why aren't, are you watching TV? You need to be watching TV. She's like, we, we're doing other things. We're expanding our minds. And this is when Earl realizes, because the, the Ted and Stu are, you know, at, just really upset about this, obviously, because they, they care about ratings. And this is when... Earl realizes that they are, in fact, an evil corporation. Yep. And then uh, he's talking about uh, all they care about is ratings. And they're like, well, yeah, that's all we care about. And then Earl quits. He, he leaves ABC. Right. So then we see uh, Roy and Earl walking home. Um, the executives were uh, talking about a... Uh, well, what they said is this. The executives kind of as Earl has left are saying, you know, everybody's reading right now. So how do we get people to stop reading and start watching That's TV? Right. And so basically what they do is they invent the TV guy. They say, well, we'll make a book about what's on TV to get people to start watching TV again. Yeah. And then uh, we also find out Robbie made a rocket while he was smart, which is like in the backyard. And then uh, and this is like a bit is the is a huge deal. They say that this is the the most important thing that's ever happened to dinosaurs if he launches this rocket into space. Yeah, and he's got like the countdown clock like in the kitchen. It's launching in one minute. They show ba- uh, babies in the in babies the in the rocket. Uh, the countdown's going. Family looks up. Um, I said looks up at the TV guide. Were they looking at that again? Well. Earl, so Earl walks in. What they do with this TV guys? They get obviously they just throw one on everybody's porch. So Earl gets home from from quitting, 
walks in with this TV guide and shows the family that say, hey, look at this book that was on the porch. And because they're smart, they want to look at this book and they see it's a TV guide and then they get distracted by the fact that, oh, here's all the stuff that's on TV that we can now just go watch. And so they kind of forget about the, they immediately forget about the the, the launch, the countdown. It hits zero. Baby goes to space. That's it. That's all we know. Yep. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the last episode for Baby, right? Yeah. He'll be, never, never comes back. 9.30, Camp Wilder's back, season one, episode five. Uh, Melissa's Friend is the name of this episode. And uh, it starts off, we've got uh, Ricky in the kitchen with Brody and Melissa. Um, Dorfman brought a snake home, apparently. Or not home, but to their house. To their and, house. And uh, we, we don't see it, but it's somewhere. And oh, uh, Ricky does not want it in the house, though. But uh, Dorfman and Brody... Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a little. She's well, just like, I don't want a snake in my house. Why don't you put it in your house? She doesn't want a snake in her house. Sophie really likes it. Ricky's like, you got to get it out of here. Yeah. So then we also find out that Dorfman and Brody are going to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I was a little confused. Like, do they have tickets or do they need to get tickets? No, no, no. no. So the situation is this, is they need to get tickets. Beth has been in line for two days down at the local record store to get tickets. And they were supposed to be bringing her food and water, and they kept, they they forgot and have not. So she's just been kind of in line for two days, surviving on her own. Uh, we also find out that uh, Sophie, when she comes in, she's talking about Barney, her hamster, and uh, apparently she put the snake in the uh, cage with Barney. And they... uh, she put Barney in the snake with the cage, but same, okay, same same end effect. And uh, Dorfman, I think, runs upstairs, and we find out that. Uh, you know, the snake ate the hamster. Right. Her intention was that she likes Barney. She likes the snake. Do we know the snake's name? So at one point, Dorfman says that he names it Ricky after That's Ricky. That's right. Yeah, yeah, So I don't know if that was a joke or what. Nah, I believe it. We'll call it Ricky. So he put, so Sophie put Barney in because she likes Barney. She likes snake Ricky. And she thought that they would be good friends, not knowing that, you know, Barney didn't have a chance. All right, so now we've got this uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers talk going on. Dorfman is trying to get um, Brody to skip school so they can go wait for tickets. Is that right? 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 So, so they realizing that Beth has you know not had any kind of relief in two days, they go to help her out to so they have to skip a couple couple classes in school to to get in line for these tickets. Um, we also find out at this point when Brody's talking about skipping school that Melissa has been skipping school, but she's been skipping school for a whole week. Yeah, she's been out all week. Um, and Brody threatens to maybe tell Ricky, but then the phone rings and uh, it's it's Melissa's school calling to try to find out what's going on, trying to reach her parents or whatever. But Brody talks to him um and they've set up a, a meeting with Brody and Melissa's counselor to try to figure out what's going on with her why she's skipping school. yeah Melissa kind of makes this point to Brody that's like hey you can't tell me because if you tell Ricky then she'll know that you were skipping too yeah. and Bro- so Brody's having this whole issue where he can't he's trying to avoid Ricky finding out that Melissa is skipping so that he doesn't find out that Brody was skipping yeah so the next scene we're at Melissa's school um and we're with the guidance counselor and apparently Dorfman is there too because Dorfman uh this is the same guidance counselor that Dorfman had when he was at that school I guess. Yeah, and there's a couple there's a couple things going on here. So first of all, Mr. Hasselman the the guidance counselor is another baby talk alum. He was you remember there's a few episodes in season 1 where they had the the like parent groups, you know, like the three or yeah, four yeah, yeah. baby sets. He was one of the dads in okay. in that group. So just just a note there. 
But the whole thing with Dorfman is that the the guidance counselor recognizes Dorfman, but the first thing he says is, you know, you remind me of this this kid that I had a few years ago, but you couldn't be him because that kid would be in an in a sane asylum right now. <laughs> and and there's kind of this running joke throughout of them of him recognizing he says, you know, can you turn profile and say that it's not loaded or I don't think it's loaded. And there's a whole kind of joke throughout the conversation. Uh, yeah, eventually we get to the point where we find out that, uh, well, at least what Brody gets out of this is Melissa's having uh, her first period, and that's what's going on, or trouble right, with her first the, period. Exactly. That's what the council. That's what the counselor says. Is well, we know the problem. The problem is she's having. She's having. Her, or the problem is it's her first period. Yeah. Or the problem is with her first period, something like that. Yeah. So um, we go back to the house. Uh, Brody and Dorfman are on the couch. Brody is reading about like puberty and periods and stuff like that. And uh, there's a little bit of a dilemma because he wants to, he needs to either talk to Mel about her period or talk to Ricky, who will then know that he ditched school for this concert if he talks to Ricky. So he's like, right. well, what do I do? Do I want to go talk to Mel or do I want to wrap myself out to Ricky to uh, figure this out? And I was confused for most of this part because I didn't real I, I didn't think that Melissa was she, she Emily she's 13. I thought she was like 15, 14, 15. So mm-hmm. I was like this none of this timing seems right. Okay. But so Ricky comes home uh and she's got Barney 2 with her, new hamster, Barney yeah, 2. Replacement Barney. Um Brody still doesn't know what to do with this whole Melissa thing and then uh Danielle and Beth come over. They're ready to go to the concert, but Brody's like, "Oh, you guys can go talk to her." So that's his new plan. Uh, he awkwardly asks them to go talk to Melissa, and they say uh, no because they don't like her. I didn't even, really know. even like. Her. I didn't realize they didn't like Melissa. Uh, it's, uh, so often I forget that they are not Melissa's friends; they're yeah. Brody's friends. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then he asks them like, "Well, if I'm going to go talk to her, what should I say?" And then uh, they're. I think the biggest uh, advice they give him is to make sure that she doesn't feel ashamed about it. Right. So now we've got Brody talking to Melissa in her room. Uh, it's going real awkwardly. Like he's trying all these things that he read about or that he was told. And Brody tells her that uh, he knows why she's skipping school. And then she's like, yeah, well, why am I skipping school then? And then you just hear laughing. Like he does, yeah, like cuts see. it downstairs and you can hear it coming from upstairs. Yeah. So whatever he just told Melissa, we don't know exactly what it was. It is making her hysterical. Like she thinks it's the funniest thing ever. So Ricky gets home um, and comments on Melissa laughing because it's she gets home at, while she's still laughing. And then uh, Ricky catches Brody with this book that he had. So he see she sees Brody with this like puberty period book, whatever. And uh, he tells her that he was trying to help Melissa with her first period. And she's like, she had her first period like over a year ago. And uh, then they figure out that. Uh, it's the first period, like class. Brody, Brody has figured this out from Melissa upstairs already. And oh, he yeah. just kind of is, he's kind of just explaining this to Ricky and Ricky, Ricky actually, it's, it's, I don't know. Her response is kind of interesting. And she's like, okay, well now that you know, that that's not the problem. It's nice that you tried to help her with that. Did you actually help her with the real problem? And so he goes back upstairs to talk to her about what's actually going on. Yeah. So, he, she also does say that she is impressed, though, with Brody, that he did try yeah. to help with this uh, with this situation. So he goes back upstairs to try to figure out what the problem is. Um, and she doesn't tell him at first, but she does say that uh, 
if she leaves him alone, uh, then she'll tell him, I think is what she says, right? And or, she'll, or she'll go, back, go back, to, back to school, back to right? School. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't say it right here, right? No, no. They end up kind of going downstairs, and she comes downstairs, dwarf, and she kind of she tells him the story. Yeah, there's this, actually going there's on. this guy that she likes in, uh, in first period, and uh, somehow he found out, or he called her a virgin, and now... Everyone in the class is calling her the virgin. She's not. She doesn't care about being called a virgin. It's the problem being called the virgin. She just doesn't want to be singled out and made fun of in class. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think humiliating. It's, it's interesting. This is a. This, this is kind of the same yet the opposite problem from Family Matters, uh-huh. yeah. where where Laura was being you know was being t- said that she was sleeping around. Uh, it's very much a similar situation here. So Brody also tells Melissa that in seventh grade. Uh, there was a name that people called me and he's had a lot of nicknames. Yeah. They, he starts to tell the story about, I don't, I didn't catch why he was wearing his dad's red bikini briefs, but for some reason he had to wear them to school. I think it was like a laundry issue. I think it was something real simple, like laundry issue or couldn't, you know, whatever. So it was gym class. He tried to change as quickly as he could. So no one would see him, but someone did. And then from that day, everyone called him butt boy for the next three weeks at school. <laughs> So he went from spot to butt boy. Um, and he's like, you know what? These things don't last. Um, they die out. People move on. Um, and I wrote down other people's pain makes you feel better. Oh, because she says like, that's oh. her. That's her realization is that other people's pain makes you feel better because they forget about you know her, her situation. Yeah. And then Ricky comes down and then Sophie yells. Barney had babies. And then she's like, well, they, Bar- she says, Hey, come look at Barney, Ricky and mom or whatever. And, and you know, there's this whole moment where Brody's like, Oh, so it works. She believes that that's, that's Barney. And she's like, yeah, it's working. And then she also announces that Barney has had babies and, and Ricky says, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to explain that one. Yeah. I'm going to explain a, a male hamster having babies, but uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, we do get a credit scene here with uh, Ricky and Brody sitting at the table for breakfast and they're kind of like, they're just I don't know. Like, it almost seems like they're having a conversation. Like they're a married couple to me. Is what I, it's I think, like. yeah, I think that's kind of the intent is that they're doing adult stuff. They're, they're kind of showing their responsibility. They're reading the newspaper, adult things. Yeah. Doing adult stuff. So that's it. That's uh that's TGIF for this week. Um, yeah. you want to rank them? Yeah, sure. I'll rank them. Um, I'm going to put, Let's see one thing real quick. You know, I think we put dinosaurs at four, step by step at three. Oh man! Camp Wilder at two, and Family Matters at one. I, you know, I like this is a this much camp. better week than last week for sure. Like, I like it is. I liked Camp Wilder a lot this week because it did exactly what I was saying. I want to see Camp Wilder do, which was not worry about Ricky and focus on like the kids' kid problems. I thought, yeah, I thought Jerry O'Connell, the way that like his character really shined in this episode. I mean, it was it was really more about him than about Melissa, but the way he handled a lot of the scenes and, and like his his acting and stuff was I thought really good. Uh, and then I liked I liked the uh, Family Matters was just a good, Waldo for some reason I'm just really into the, the Waldo humor right now and there was a lot of that in this episode. Yeah, you know what? I'm going same order as you actually this week. I've got uh, Dinosaurs at four, Step by Step at three, Camp Wilder at two, Family Matters at one. Awesome, cool. Uh, next week, what do we got coming up on the show? We have got a full week. Four episodes, so we're going to be looking at Family Matters Season 4, Episode 5, Step by Step Season 2, Episode 6, Dinosaur Season 3, 
episode four, and then Camp Wilder, season one, episode six. Uh, thanks again to Tragedy Elliot Ness for the theme song this week. Make thanks sure so you're much. following us on all social media at TGIFCast. If you need to email us anything, TGIFCast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we're excited for a whole full week of new episodes once again. One thing I want to mention real quick. I know the dogs bark in the background, so I'll make it quick. Super excited because our local, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if calling it our local, but one of the Comic Cons that comes to Richmond every year announced some guests this week. For this is Galaxy Con March. Richmond, right? Galaxy Con Richmond is going to have Topanga, Eric, Sean, and Angela from Boy Meets World. And I'm super excited that we're getting the That's little awesome. Boy Meets World group. Uh, at the uh, at the local Richmond Comic Con, and I'm gonna pay money to get pictures and do all the we'll stuff. We'll get a picture so, with them. We'll go to their absolutely. panel for sure. Yep, and uh, yep. hopefully set something up for them to come on the show. Hopefully in the future. Yeah, because I think Boy Meets World <coughs> starts next next fall. So next, you know, season five. Or 2023 fall or yeah, 2023 fall. Yeah, yeah 2023 right. fall. Yeah, Not but I'm super excited. Off. So, anyways, I wanted to mention that because that's the kind of thing that we get excited about. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go check out online. We'll post a link to galaxy con. So you guys can, uh, yeah. I don't know if tickets are on sale yet. They might be, they've got tickets on sale. Hopefully we'll be there again this year doing a, another live broadcast. I'm talking about for everyone else that wants to come to go. Oh, yeah, no, no, not I mean, only see boy meets world, but to see us doing our show. Hopefully. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come see us. We'll probably be there Friday night. Like we all are. I don't know. I mean, we did Saturday last year. Who knows? Yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Come see us. Oh, and they're going to be doing, I think they're going to be doing wrestling every day too. Like they used yes. to I think that's back. So yes. that'll be fun. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's it. You got anything else, Steve? No, that's it. All right, man. Have a good week. You it's got Friday it, dude. Day, night, and the mood is right. We're going to have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. Thank God. It's Friday. Thank God. It's Friday. Thank God. It's Friday. As far as friends go, family matters most. Like Carl's Winslow. Look in my window, but don't you clamor. I got a full house like DJ Tana, step by step, I'm a perfect stranger, so sit back, relax, there's no fear of danger, did I do that, have mercy, don't be ridiculous, it's only 8.30, got it dude, now cut it out, TGIF is what it's all about, we gon' have some fun, let me show you how it's done, it's Friday night, and the mood is right, we gonna have some fun, let me show you how it's done. Thank God it's Friday. How's my weekend gonna be? Well, super. Watching reruns of Mr. Belvedere and hanging with Mr. Cooper. It's a retro flashback on a fast track to a laugh track. Audience will clap back after every scene. The 80s and the 90s were lit when I was a teen. This weekend, I'll be deep in the deep end. Watching a Laura and Stefan sequence. Stephanie Tanner in a silver sequence. Felky doing the dance of joy. Hello, world. It's time to meet your boy. Sister, sister, read all about it. Tragedy Elliot Ness on a podcast. Don't doubt it. And you know what time it is. So sit back, relax, get your popcorn. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're gonna have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're gonna have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. It's Friday. TGIF, it's Friday. Hey. Tragedy Elliot Ness. TBA Podcast.